everybody. It's Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad. That's Yay. Chad. Yay. Okay, That's there we go. me. I, I um, exist. Now, I wanted to... I wanted to be. I wanted to say something real quick before we get started. Last week we had a guest on. We did. It just now dawned on me, like an hour ago. We never explained who he was or where he was from or why oh. he was there. That's funny. That's also on brand for us. Yes. Should we explain who he is and where he's from, or just leave it a mystery? Well, he's your friend, so he it's is up my to you. friend. He's your friend too, though, because we maybe he's your acquaintance. But uh, Alex is, uh, he's on the comics podcast, I've been podcasting with him for a couple years, and uh, he ended up buying a set of Star Wars miniatures, and what he got those, and me and Cameron had started ours, it's like, you know what we should do is have you on the show, and we can talk about miniatures, because we've talked about getting him on a couple times, because uh, he's really into Yu-Gi-Oh, and I think it would be fun to do a Yu-Gi-Oh show with him. But uh, yeah, so he, his... Comics podcast or not comics podcast? Uh, opinions are cheap. Debut was uh, was talking about miniatures and Warhammer and Star Wars. The things we're not allowed to talk about on the comics podcast because Jean Luc ruins it. Yay! Sorry for all the self promotion of my other stupid show. So that's Alex. Yep. But not Half Life Alex. It's the Y. Nope. We we were playing. Uh, me and Joe were playing Half Life. Um, not the actual game. The VR game, but someone recreated the gravity glove in VR chat, and there's like a Half Life level where you walk around and you can use the gravity glove to grab things. That's cool. And well, that's the thing. It's like it basically doesn't work as well because it's VR chat. And then it's like it was interesting to walk around and just like you know pull boxes and oh that's funny it kind of works almost. But then we found out there's a puzzle, and you got to find all ten hidden items, and it'll unlock a door. And we spent a long time finding all the hidden items, and the door was very underwhelming. Oh yeah, I was in the door. Um, it plays a sound bite of a head crab, and then there's like a head crab hat that appears on your head, and a mirror turns on, so you can take a picture of it. That's funny. Yeah, and what was really funny was Joe's avatar. He's playing as like Toon Link. So his head was so big, he didn't even see his head crab. So he didn't think about <laughs> anything. God, VR chat is a fucking weird thing. And I only put like, what, like 40 minutes into it, maybe? Yeah. Um, I we I had the most fun the other night, though. We found the Star Wars dance party where it plays all the songs from that Connect game. And we were just straight up doing these Star Wars dances, like that I'm Han Solo song. Oh, God. Um... Yeah, that was a, that was fun. I saved that place. I'm going back again. That was good. I, I know. I know. Joe wants me to try again, and I suppose I do too. But I need to like. I think get used to VR a bit more before I go into something with like those kind of movement options because it was really like making me feel nauseous by the end, and like just having that shit directly beamed into my eyes. It's like this. This feels so unhealthy. Like my whole head just doesn't feel normal right now. So and I, I want to say, yeah, there's there's two tips I want to give you. First off, play in seated position. If okay. you're seated and you turn on seated position like in the game, it's a lot easier because your feet are grounded and you don't you don't sense that movement thing as much. Okay. While you're standing, your body might start to instinctively lean forward or back without you realizing it. And that creates a snowball effect. Sure. Uh, w- within your ear. 
um, the other tip is to experiment with the different, like there's a turning style and a movement style. And there's, it's not like one of them will be less sick inducing. It's more like depending on how your brain works, there's a correct answer. Okay. So it's really, it's up to you to figure that out. I'm kind of hoping to use this as an excuse to buy like Beat Saber and put a bit of time into that to get used to just having the thing on my head and, and oh, yeah. having the images shot into my face. And with but Beat Saber, moving. you're so, um, you stand so like stationary. Yeah. It it's a very comfortable VR game despite the all the lasers and and like high speed stuff going on. Plus it seems like a good workout and it, it looks fun. Yeah, Do that's you... why I was I was having fun with Star Wars. I was like sweating by the end because I was like actually doing the dance moves. Nice. For Beat Saber, is it just the game? Do you have to buy the songs within the game too, or do you get everything? No, they have expansions you can buy into. Um what what I did was I bought the base game. And there are a couple free songs, including um, KDA. What okay. is that one? Pop Stars. Pop Stars. Um, but I I want to like master one. So whenever I play Beat Saber, it's usually to try and push the difficulty up a peg. Okay. So it's like I haven't beaten the songs yet, so I haven't even felt the need to get more songs. Well, because I know people like you can make custom stuff. There's software to do that. I think there's a way to mod it. Uh, you will want to read reviews because some of them work better than others. Sure. But I'm just saying, I'm guessing those are all free, right? Like, Yeah. If someone decides to do a custom Disturb song, I should I could just download that, which feels like I maybe shouldn't be able to do that because Disturb's not making any money and the record companies use, you know, it feels like a violation of copyright somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's such a gray area with the way this is set up because it seems like it's not a... Uh, really thought about or controlled and so i have no idea if i can find songs i like if they'll be there two weeks from now or a year from now if they get copyright strike will they get removed if i download them like i don't know what's going to happen with that and it's a 30 dollar game so there's definitely some investment there yeah that's something else i really i really do not remember spending that much on beat saber I don't know if i bought it when it was early access or something but i think they've done several updates since I was, like, taking it serious. I'll have to just research it, I guess, and see what it specifically comes with and what expansions there are and all that other shit and go from there. Yeah. 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 Yay, VR, apparently. I need to figure out when the next Steam sale is going to be so I can make sure my game goes on it because I think I missed the last one. Normally they email me this. I don't know if they did last time. I'm not sure because uh, normally they do a summer sale. And that, that I guess up. I, I, no, actually that might be a little ways off, but with all this stuff going on, it's hard to say. Cause a lot of times the summer sale will like, they'll tie it in with, uh, like E3 oh, and yeah. E3 news and things. And it's like, well, things are going to be weird this year. Yeah. So they, I think they'll want to line it up in a way that makes sense to them. And it might not necessarily be the same time. Yeah, I understand. It's funny, though, because I do typically get, like, when the sale starts and ends, like, a month before the public because I have a game on Steam, and so they let me know. Um, and I'm sure that shit gets leaked pretty fast, but it is kind of cool to be, like, in the know for, like, 24 hours I know before other people do. Makes yeah, me feel kinda, Yeah, it, it's fun being on the inside. Yeah, it's cool, and we really got to finish that fucking DLC we've been working on for, like, two years. I mean, it's basically done. We just need to release it. 
making stuff so goddamn hard sometimes. I think that's why podcasting is fun because it's 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 not hard to do. You just talk. Yeah, pretty much. We've been actually pretty good about not missing weeks. Yeah, it's it's exceptionally rare that we have to skip. Yeah, it's been it's been consistent. I like it. Plus, it's a good 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 way to hang out with you. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, as much as I hope that we're bringing joy to somebody out there, um, I will say my favorite part is always spending time with you. Yeah, likewise. I was telling, like, Emily and them about the other podcast, too, where it's like, we don't get a lot of listeners, and I know I'm paying for it, but at the end of the day, like, it's us having fun, and it's an excuse to read comic books and chat. Like, yeah, do we need a podcast for that? No, but is it kind of cool and, you know... Makes you feel like you did something on a Saturday. There's, there's so, value there. Yeah, I want to say, really, anybody out there should consider just starting a podcast if you feel like doing it. But don't frame it like you're being an entertainer. Like, literally, just make an excuse to sit down with your friends and talk about a subject. This sounds like a weird New Age hobby, but in reality, this is what book clubs are. Yeah, that that's true. And book clubs are, are usually just an excuse to drink wine and spend time with your friends, and it gives you something to talk about. And there's a balance between the idle chat and actually like digging into the book. But really, if you have a subject, like a book to dig into, it kind of helps you move through a conversation because it, it, you, it gets your brain working, you think about stuff, you can tie it to other things. It's fun to have a goal. So if your goal yeah. is, let's let's talk about this book. Let's really break it down. That's just as good quality time as asking if you saw what Janet was wearing at the office today. Yeah. But also, did you see what she was wearing at the office today? What a slut! <laughs> Goddamn. I want to leave that silence in, because that was precious. There we go. That was our precious moment. Yay. Um. Oh, I got another precious moment. Mm-hmm. So I got a, I ordered, um, you know, I've been building my Warhammer army. Yeah. So I ordered a case to like keep them all safe. And then also I can use this to transport them when I want to actually take them somewhere. I'm told that if you use an egg carton, that works too. Yeah. Egg cartons are good. Um, I got a nice like foam one. Okay. It was, it, it was pretty cheap on Amazon compared to some other stuff. Um, and it looks like it's big enough to actually hold all the guys I want to get. So it's nice. like, oh, this is perfect. So it came in yesterday, and I'm cutting out some foam, because it, it has, like, a grid, but some of the guys I have are kind of extra, they're wide, or they have accessories or weapons that stick out. Sure. So I'm trimming the foam a little bit so that they fit nice. And it was in my lap, and I dropped it, and so I went to grab the case real hard. Um, I don't know why, because it's foam, so if it landed on the floor, it wouldn't matter. But it's like, oh, no, I dropped it, so I had to grab it real fast. And when I did that, I gouged my knife into the back of it. Oh, no. And messed up my pristine new case. So when I, I grabbed it and I lifted it up and I turned it over to look, I saw this huge gash. And I feel like my first thing should have been, oh, no, I just did this. Like, I got it. I, it just showed up today. I haven't even brought it outside yet, and I already ruined it. But instead, I saw this big gash, and the first words to come out of my mouth were, that's a lot of damage. <laughs> and I got real excited because a year ago, um, my brother and his wife gave me a roll of flex tape as a gag Christmas gift, and I've been waiting for a reason to use it. Oh, God. So, so it's like, I, I use flex tape on my work on my, uh, my hammer army. And I got excited, so I like taped it on there. And just like that, it's as good as new. 
That is a precious moment. Isn't it? It's funny. I'm happy. I was thinking you could have, like, filled it with, uh, like, painted it in, like, the crevice and, like, filled it with uh, epoxy or something and kind of turned it into, like, a scar. Like, you could have made a a thing out of it, maybe. Uh, Honestly, I was thinking about, like, do I want to make this creative? Should I... Should I take this opportunity to make it look like battle damage or or like have a gag or something like something sticking out of the side there? Um, and it's like, no, I just want to use my flex tape. I don't have any flex tape and I'm a homeowner. I should get some flex tape. Did you see the flex, um, the putty? I think I've seen the putty. The putty looks interesting. I like where when he makes a boat out of it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I was pretty sure it would work. But now that you made a boat, I'm sold. Yeah. It's all about the boat. It is all about that boat. Uh, I, I don't know if you want to like, I, I guess I, I kind of have a topic at hand. I don't know if you want to dive into that and see where it goes. We don't have to well, stick with it. Did you have any more goofy stories to get out of your system before we start? Not really. It's been a, a fairly normal, stressful week. We, we got it. We got a bunch of new equipment in at work, so I've been filming training stuff for it, and we have to write all documentation and all this other stuff, and it's just been like, I can't believe it. Like, the world's at a pandemic, and we're letting all these contractors in, and people in to train, and we're getting new equipment next week, uh, because we needed to upgrade our laser, because we're printing ventilator parts and cutting them with the laser. And so it's like, oh, if we need to buy two lasers, we're running this thing, like, you know, supposed to be running it at 100 hours a day or whatever, which you can't do, um. It's it's just been it's been fucking bonkers. I did get hazard paid though, so I'm getting four dollars more an hour. Oh, that's pretty cool. And that's that's pretty nice. That I'm I'm happy about. Uh, but otherwise, work's been all right. I think it's kind of nice because I think people are a little less on edge now that it's been going on for so long. We have like the cleaning supplies for everybody now, more or less. Like we we got that giant drum of hand sanitizer rolled out, uh, fifty five gallons of it. It's it. The complaints, though, is that it's it's not viscous enough. It's it's more of a water, like a spray stuff. And it's like, yeah, but the it's what we got. Like, it's it works. It's going to kill the germs. It's just uh, not as convenient, maybe even. But I, I think uh, I think the tempers are a little less this week, despite it being kind of a stressful week. I just don't remember getting like super pissed off like I did last week. So yeah, it's been okay, but it, it's just been. I'm looking forward to taking a nap, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are feeling that exact feeling right now. Yeah, me and uh, me and Heather have a, a kind of a fun plan tomorrow. She's gonna come over. We're gonna get drunk and paint. So I still have canvases and supplies, and she's got some supplies. And it's like, yeah, let's uh, let's make some weird art. That sounds like a, a fun use of our time. So I'm really excited to do that. That's good. That's my uh, that's where I've been working on music too. Finally getting that song mixed. Yeah, you've actually been making progress on that. That was another thing. Because I, I want to keep making music with people, and I've talked about making stuff with you and with Matt. But, like, directing Joe is interesting because it's just like, I don't really know how to do this, and I don't want to be overbearing, and it's sort of like, oh, yeah, just just do what just do what I need you to do. And it's like, yeah, but I don't know what you need me to do. You need to fucking explain it. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess I do need to explain it. And it's like, I should probably pull up a lyric sheet for the song, too, so you don't have to, like, guess. Um, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to pull it off if I try to do more of this, even though I do want to do it. It's fun. So that it's a little stressful, even though it's a, a fairly far away project, but just trying to figure out the logistics and, and whatnot. 
Yeah, especially because it's a it's a very new approach for you. Mm-hmm. Since it is kind of a different kind of thing. I feel like with Matthew, like I could send him drums or a bass or something and just be like, this is the key, this is the BPM. Get your guitar and do literally whatever you want. And he would make something good because he's a really good guitar player. Uh, incorporating any of the goofy instruments you own or another singer is a little more difficult because... For one thing, I have no idea how you play or record any of the goofy shit you own. And then, obviously, with singing, it's like, okay, well, lyrics are a thing. Do we have to... Who writes those? How do we come up with the melody? Shit like that. Yeah, I I don't know how this works. <laughs> and I, I don't even know what I would want to make. Because, like you said, I do, like, goofy stuff. But I feel like the intent here is to make something listenable. Yeah. At the same time, we'll figure it out at some point, I think. I... I or you, I, I don't know. Like, I like that you did my album art. I would gladly go back to you for more album art. But it would be cool to have you as a guest on the, the album itself, too. Whatever the next one is. But that's a ways away, and I don't know. I, I don't probably don't need to stress myself out over it. It's just, like, I actually collabed with someone this week, and it was smooth, but not, like, crystal smooth. You know, there was just a little... A little back and forth a bit trying to figure things out and it's like oh imagine doing this for an entire song instead of like a bridge yeah that's a different thing for sure um but that's all my goofy nonsense shit do we want to unless you have more no we can we can get started so you, you came up with i thought actually a really interesting topic i had been thinking about yeah so the topic i wanted to discuss is when it comes to fantasy and science fiction uh, with lots of different aliens and races and stuff like that, I'm uh, the how humans are written is kind of interesting. And I know there was that big thing with orcs last week, and I I didn't actually get this from that. I got this. I've been reading Animorphs books. In the eighth book, is written from Axe's perspective, who is an alien, and going through that was interesting because it it really brought home that like there there are certain like character tropes for these races. Like Axe is very much an elf character. The Antolites live for a very long time. They're kind of haughty. Uh, the way they view humans is that, like, they're chaotic and weird, maybe a little stupid, but also they get way more done during their lifespans than any of the other races they do. Like, they're like, oh yeah, you, you developed planes this year, then 60 years later you landed on the moon. And it took us, like, 500 years to do that. You did it way, way less. So, like, you're way more driven than we are. And that's kind of terrifying. And that feels like something that happens a lot in fiction. It's especially with like the D&D stuff. It's like the humans get to be this weird wild card. We, we're not ever put in a specific box like dwarves or elves are because I don't, I don't even know why it's like, why can't dwarves and elves be, have all of these, you know, traits that humans have. Like, I don't, it, it's funny that like, we're always like the neutral species because we can be evil and we can be good where elves are always supposed to be good. And dwarves are always supposed to be good. Um, and, and the same is kind of with, with the, the Animorph thing, where, like, Axe was really written like an elfish character, uh, but also I, I I feel like he had a good enough voice for his narration. I didn't mind, it's just, it made me curious uh, how other fiction handles this and how we always kind of seem to do very similar things. And, just, and then I, my mind started spinning off another shit, so I'm gonna let you talk now. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Um I think in uh in books, like if you look at Lord of the Rings, 
Uh, I feel like the different races all have different personality. But if you look at games, usually humans act as a... Uh, they're the token relatable race. Yeah. They're always the most flexible and neutral. And I... And I want to say they also tend to be, like, they, they tend to be used in a way that's, like, in a fantasy thing, they're always, like, medieval knights. Like, there's always a king, and they build castles in a specific way. Even if, like, other things in the area are very tribal or foreign compared to England at the time. Right. Um, I, I get bored of that. <laughs> I I do, too, like... I also don't understand because when it comes to creating like a society with a culture, and we kind of touched on this with Warhammer, it's like there are certain things I feel like you intrinsically need to have for a society to work. Uh, and so how do you go around like creating an alien race that thinks in a completely different way when it seems like it's evo- evolutionarily like necessary that we have compassion for our own species so we can advance and build new things, right? Like the... And it's hard to not think about stuff like that from a human perspective when that's literally the only perspective we have. But, like, how can you make a species that doesn't have an appreciation for art and then somehow makes a spaceship? Like, who designed the spaceship then? How do you go about designing something? Because there's always going to be some level of artistic thing that goes into even designing, like, a, a computer monitor or a speaker or a glass. Like, things with a very utilitarian purpose. There's still uh, that kind of work that goes into it. And, uh, or just like that whole golden rule thing, right? Like it makes sense because it lets us survive. If you treat people nice, they treat you nice. And then we can like build a house together or, or a road or trade crops or something, right? Depending on the the time period. And so looking at like, uh, this Yurk species and Animorphs where they're, they're parasites, they're slugs, they go inside people's heads and they take control over them. And so they're trying to write these characters from a parasitic standpoint, which is neat, uh, but they lack they lack something that kind of makes them feel whole. They're very villainous. And uh, like in one of the books, uh, Jake gets taken control of, and they have to keep him confined for three days because the Yurks need to leave every three days to feed. And uh, so if, if Jake's taken over, he, he turns, the yurk forces him to turn into an animal that's very small, like a lizard or a bird, and keep him in that morph for two hours, he's stuck in there. So yeah, he's going to die, but he also took out one of the freedom fighters, right? He, there's only six of them, so they just wiped out a six of their opponents. But it never occurs to this creature to do that. And I don't think it ever would, because it just it doesn't seem like how they think. And it's hard for me to wrap my brain around that when... It's, like, the first thought I had. Well, okay. I'm not going to talk about plot holes in a children's book. It's less about plot holes and more about, like, creating uh, different ways for alien creatures to think while keeping them, I guess, believable. Well, yeah. I understand that's your, your actual point. Um, have you have you seen this new XCOM game that just came out? No. I can't describe how unappealing it is. Um, have you ever played an XCOM game? Yes. So you know how, like, you get your guys and, like, you name them stuff, and it's kind of funny, because, like, you'll name one after your friend, and then your friend dies. You go, hi, you you died, the alien shot you, because you missed. So that's gone. That's not a part of the game. 
instead you get these like named characters that are part of a squad but also this takes place after the alien wars and it's like peacetime and all the aliens are coexisting oh huh so you get this like really diverse cast of like it's kind of like 24 where it's like the anti-terrorism unit and they have like they got the snake lady and the the brain guy and the strong alien guy and that guy's half alien because we're all fucking each other in the future and one of the complaints is that all the characters have names and they're they got like drawn art and everything they also don't have actual personalities like they're all written like the most boring human being where they just kind of have jokes about like the telepathic alien has a joke about how he can read minds and it's so lazily done that you don't care and it's like i don't mind if you die that's frustrating it's very frustrating um the the snake lady uh she's xenophobic she hates all the the immigrant aliens coming to earth because she was born on earth and this is her planet stop taking our jobs sure and it's like this doesn't this doesn't scratch anyone's itch at all like yeah, the whole the whole point of that game was to name things, like make people you cared about, and when they died, you got pissed off because they weren't coming back. But also, these alien invaders are really alien. Like the tech is different, their strategies are different. It's like how, they're completely overwhelming us, they're overpowering us. How can we outthink them and come out on top? Sure. Uh, now that's all gone, and everyone's just kind of boring. That sucks. Yeah. So I guess the the real thing is, I, I like what you're going with. Um, you know, getting a different perspective. Personally, I never pick human in these games. Oh, no, I, I don't either, usually. Uh, now, I don't know what you know about statistics, but I was looking at, like, data from Warcraft. If you look at Alliance side, by far the most popular race is human. Yeah, I, I know when I used to play, a lot of people would go human because they had the best PvP racials. And so there was a, I guess, utilitarian aspect to that. The others, were, I think, were just, they were fucking boring human beings. I wanted to be boring-ass humans. Well, that's the thing. I, I sort it to, like, an RP server. Oh, so okay. So it's not PvP, so you don't get the, the out-of-balance racial. Like, that's not really a factor when you decide. Sure. Um, And it's also, what I found interesting is on an RP server, when you're role-playing these characters, wouldn't you want to be more interesting and unique? Yeah, that's... I never ever would play human in world of warcraft I, no it's just it's stupid like it's like when you like oh it's like playing uh smash brothers and maining mario right like be someone fun and interesting like i don't get it they they also um they added a new human race there's there's now two human options uh pretty much because people kept asking can humans become druids and shaman and it's like no is it like, please Please. So they made a new human that can be a druid and a shaman. Hmm. So now humans can pick all the classes. That's except, boring. Except one. Um. It. Well, that's the thing. It kind of. It's weird. And I love. Uh. I love playing on the horde. And I love to like. I'll, I'll role play walk into the tavern. And when I look across the tavern, I will see like a menagerie. It's like the the cantina in Star Wars. Yeah. Where there's like a zombie, there's like a couple zombies in the back corner talking, and there's a giant panda, and he's talking to the giant cow, and then there's like orcs, and they're yelling at the goblin, and it's like, this is neat, 
And then when I like I roleplay walk in the Alliance and I walk into the tavern and it's like everyone here is an elf or a human and they're all yeah. tall, dark and brooding. And I don't see the appeal like at all. And it sucks I, too because gnomes are so fun. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. I'll walk in with my gnome character and I'm the only one with a sense of humor. And sure. people will like yell at me for not taking it serious. And then I'll like I'll snap back at them with a joke and it makes someone laugh and they're like, hey, they're all right. <laughs> but it's like because I'm the only person in the room doing anything different. Sure. You know, it's weird. So yeah, I I think in like I said in in books, there's room to give everyone personality because you kind of do dive into the the personality of individual characters. Um, in games, it's always like the default boring option. Now, I want to talk about Final Fantasy fourteen. Okay, I kind of like what they did with the races there. I, have you seen them all? I have not. I wonder if I can just bring up a. Spelled that wrong. I'm stupid. You're still my friend, though. I love you. So, in in Final Fantasy fourteen, uh, all the races are descendants of humans. Okay. They're all like genetically, they're technically compatible with each other. It's more What's like the difference tribes. between the second one and the fourth one. What do you mean? They look the same. They're just one's a little taller. Um, so all the way to the left, the tallest ones are the Rodigan, and they're very, very strong and butch, and they're they're all they're like the sailor folk. They like to build boats and sail on the seas. But and it's basically the... just a human with a different body type. Yeah, and then there's the Elizin, who are are they're woodland elves, and they're very elegant and wise, but they're basically just smart humans. Okay. And then there's Viera, which they're are the bunny, they have bunny ears, and they live in the forest also, but a different forest. Um, and then there's the Highlander, and they're just tall humans. And then the Midlander, and they're like medium humans. Um, and then Mikote are the cats. And Aura are the lizards. And Lalafell are the short ones. But basically, they're all very, very human. They just have like goofy ears at most. And they're also showing a lot of skin. Yeah. Um, like, none of this is functional warrior rampage clothing Final Fantasy. Yeah, but this way you can see what they are. You're going to get ticks. So what I like about this approach is that each of these races actually has like their own culture and background and cities and their own accents and their own way of looking at things because they come from different areas. Okay. These divisions basically came from these tribes living in different places. So they have, you know, whatever suits their needs, wherever it's like a it's like a really basic evolutionary branch. And the idea is, I'm pretty sure there's technically like 14 races um, in the world. And that ties to, there used to be one race of these like godlike beings that uh, they kind of pushed their limits and they accidentally like, they pulled too much magic power out of the universe and it started to fold in on itself and they accidentally blew up the planet into 14 reflections of itself. So there's 14 planets that are all very okay. much the same planet. And so these godlike beings, their souls split into 14 parts. So there are like spirit reflections of each other on each of these planets. But okay. that's also like the descendant of all the people. So 
a lot of the the political turmoil in the game on like a surface level it's like oh there's the rich people and they're not looking out for the poor people and then oh there's the the isolationists they're not helping us while we're at wartime because they think they're better than us and and as we we work through these problems and and as things come together you start to realize that see we all can get along but then as it gets to this cosmic level where you're like traveling between worlds and seeing how similar we still are it ties everything together on this base level where it's like you uh, you do appreciate the differences everyone has but you also appreciate what we share sure and it's like this is a very elegant story that took 6 years to tell to get to this point <laughs> right but still but like it yeah sounds like it paid off really well like so far um but it's like oh this is actually the first time that i don't hate the the default human looking race because it's like oh okay you, like you don't have bunny ears but that doesn't mean you don't have a personality. Right. Whereas if you boot up Warcraft right now, like you see the orcs and they they have their own made up language and they'll Dog, dog. Yeah, they'll and they have their own like salute thing and they walk funny and they have their own cool like they have tusks. And you click on one, and it's like Loktarogar. And then you, you click on a human and like, how are you doing? Yeah. Hello, I am Microsoft Sam. It's like so infinitely boring. <laughs> I just don't get how people pick it. They stand yeah. the most neutral. Like their idol animation is that they're bored. And if you pick the, <laughs> the Torin, like their idol animation is they're like surveying the the prairie. They like look left and right, and they're like sniffing the air. Like if anything's afoot. Um, if you if you the the dwarf idol animation, um, they look like they're angry. Like, they have a personality, and then the human just kind of rolls their neck, and they stand there with a smile. You know what right. did uh, a really cool job with, with some of this is um, the Golden Compass books. Uh, books two and three, especially three, they start jumping worlds. So, uh, in the Golden Compass, uh, the, the, the primary world that the books take place in, everyone's souls are born on the outside, and they take the, the shape of an animal. And so everyone grows up. And you have you always have a companion with you, someone you can talk to, and they're basically like your intuition made physical form, uh, and so they can kind of like tell you what to do, and it's sort of like you know your gut reaction might be to go left, and they're like, hey, you should go left, so you go left. But it's a it's a bit more than that; they have a lot of personality. So then they go to the regular human world where no one has any of that, and they're just people. We're people. We don't have magical animals following us around, and that's like really shocking and strange. It's like, but you're so lonely. How could you do this? Uh, they go to a different world in the third book where instead of uh, someone's souls, they're followed by uh, their deaths. And so from the moment they are born to the moment they die, they basically have this dark shadow that's following them around that when they die is going to take them into uh, you know wherever, whatever the afterlife is for them. And so they're, they're, they grow up surrounded by death in a, a very comforting way because it's sort of like that's that's Uncle Death. Like, he's just always there. And, and sometimes I talk to him and he never talks back, but he's comforting. Like, And so they have a very completely different uh, the viewpoint of, of what life is like because they are just conditioned to not be afraid of, of dying when it's like your friend, you know, your, your babysitter kind of thing. And uh, I really like that because if you're going to start working with cultures and whatnot and, and fiction, like, taking things that we're fundamentally afraid of and have questions and no answers 
Like that's such a a great way to do it in it, and I really I found it was just fucking clever as hell too. Um, I don't know if I had a point other than to say that was cool. No, but that is an interesting example um, of different ways to make humanity interesting. I guess I I was thinking about you. You mentioned earlier how there's always like kind of a trope of like the elf. Um, and there's also usually the trope of the short thing where by comparison, they're smaller, but they make up for their, their smaller size by being smarter. Sure. And it's like, I kind of, I want to play with that. And I feel like the logic there is that since they're smaller, they're not going to be as strong. Right. But, but then dwarves are always super strong. Yeah, exactly. Dwarves are always so like stout and hardy that they tend to be one of the stronger ones. And it's like, I, I kind of hate the the frequency that this trope comes up. It's fine in practice, but it's like, I would love a setting where humans are the smartest one, and then the other things are, are not as smart, or vice versa. Sure. Where humans are the strongest thing. Just to mix it up, I don't know. <laughs> I guess a lot of times you want human to be the base mark. It's the most relatable if you're if you're like new to whatever you're looking at, you go, well, that's that one. And so it kind of serves as like a, a measurement of the middle and then you work from there. So it's like, what if I was stronger? What if I was more magical and you branch off from it? I guess that what I really want is humans to either not be present at all or to not be the very center. Yeah, that would make me happy. Well, Part of this conversation is stemming from, like, the, the next book I write, I want to do a fantasy book where a, a, a demon character wants to become a human, and it's going to take place in kind of a high fantasy land with, you know, Dungeons and Dragons kind of demons. Um, and I'm looking at, like, the party of characters he's going to group up with, and one of them's going to be a talking cat, like a house cat. One of them's going to be a, a drunk gnome, basically my D&D character. And then the third one, I think, was going to be a human mage, but now I'm wondering if it would be more interesting if... He wants to figure out how to be a human and doesn't team up with any humans at all. And so he takes the place of the human character because he's got to disguise as one. If that might be more fun to do. There's an anime. Um, I think it's called like No Game, No Life. Have you seen that? I have not. Is that what it's called? That's the one. Um. Oh, you haven't seen it. Joe, Joe was telling me about it. I know he's seen it too. Um, the setting is, uh, there's this brother and sister who they, like all they do all day is play video games because they're so good at it. And they basically, they're like, they're both geniuses. It's like that you can't beat them at chess and they'll be playing an MMO, but they're both controlling two characters at once to, to get better synergy and they can't find two people to back them up. So it's like, well, let's just run this by ourselves. And then, so they're both like running on two keyboards, you know? Oh wow. Um so basically they're so like bored with reality that they they get challenged by someone that's actually good at chess and they're like, "Huh." And they're playing back and forth and it takes forever but they finally beat this guy. And then that guy turns out to be like a god of gaming and he teleports them to this other dimension where as god he set up the rules of the universe to like their violence isn't allowed. You have to resolve every conflict with a game challenge. So basically, yeah, if you're good at chess, you could just challenge people to chess and take over the kingdom. 
and that's literally what they do is like they <laughs> they become like the brother and sister end up becoming king of the human kingdom like two episodes in um just because they're so good at games that like it's kind of like this medieval setting where they don't have modern technology and stuff um but there's a lot of like very modern jokes cuz they both have like they both have uh phones so they're they're like always writing down notes and taking pictures of things and and like referencing wikipedia and stuff and this like guy what, is so weird it's it's yeah it is what it is um but there's this interesting thing where they explain in this universe there's like 24 races and basically the top race is the most magical and then all the way on the bottom is humans and they they have zero magic and that's basically why they're the underdogs and they okay. like they they should have gone extinct by now and so it's like well it, those, those elves can read minds so how are you going to beat them at chess if they know what you're thinking and then the those like angel beings they can fly around and they're super strong so you can't like you know if they challenge you to a race then you can't beat them cuz they can fly um, and there's like these animals that can uh, erase your your mind or something, and it's like every race has their own thing, and then humans have nothing. And the the brother gives this inspirational speech about how boring humans are and how awful they are to like inspire the kingdom, and everybody's like, "This isn't a very inspirational speech." But he brings it around by explaining like, "And if we're that bad, then shouldn't we've been extinct by now?" But we're not because we're more clever than everyone else. And he points out the redeeming side of being on the bottom of the, the ladder as it is. Sure. And it's been fun to explore these concepts where it's like, yeah, they are at a disadvantage, but there's always a solution. Yeah. And it's fun to like work the way up the ladder as it is. That makes sense. That that sounds like it could be kind of a fun story. I I typically don't do the Isekai stuff. I, I, I'm not it's saying like, I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, of course, by episode two, they're king and queen already. Like, of, yeah, because it's a power fantasy show. It, it really is. And it's also got like a lot of, I'm going to say like uncomfortable jokes that. Yeah, I, I Googled it and looked at images and there was probably more, uh, I don't know, it, a lot of skin showing for brother, sister. Yeah. Um, there was Some one of that might the, be fan art. The, like the, the. The princess of the former king, um, she she wants to be the ruler, but it's like she's so bad at games that she can't really defend herself. And so there's a part where she challenges them and says, "Like, okay, if we win, then you do what I tell you to today." It's like, okay, and the beater, and they and she keeps losing, and she keeps losing, and she keeps losing, and it gets to the point where she's like, "I can't, I can't beat them in a strategy game, and I can't beat them at a skill game, but if it's luck, then I have a chance." And so she challenges them and says, okay, um, we look down that hallway and the, like it's a hallway to the street and the next person that walks by is either a man or a woman and we'll pick which one's going to come by. And, and so that way it's completely random. And so then they agree and then she loses again. And she's like, how do I lose at a 50-50 chance? And then they explain, well, it's not a 50-50 chance. We consider the time of day and the population right now um, – you know, most men are, are working and the women are out shopping. So guessing woman every time, statistically, you know, it was first to right. 10 wins and we pick yeah. women every time. And it's like, wait, it, you know, it, you think about probability in different ways. And it's a fun thought exercise to go, wait, there's a right approach to this. It's not just 50-50. But that's off topic. I want to talk more about boring humans. You can do that. Um, I feel like most of my point, it, it's weird because 
It's hard to frame humans in fiction without basically talking about everybody else, right? Yeah, that's kind of the problem. They, they, it, Because they lack personality or they're the safe one, they're basically the less interesting one. And I or get... in some cases, though, they're the most interesting because, like, in D&D, uh, or at least, like, R.A. Salvador books, like, they're so in the middle that, like, a human can be a bandit or a human can be a good guy, right? Whereas, like, if they run into dwarves, they're almost always going to be good dwarves, like, because the dwarves are the good ones, even though most of them are so, like, filled with battle lust that they just want to go kill goblins and fuck their skulls, which is not what a good person does. Uh, but that's completely ignored because goblins are bad um and that's frustrating but also it's like why can't why can't the dwarves be bad guys too right like why does it have to be the durger which are like the dark dwarves that live with the dark elves you know like why can't a regular dwarf be like fuck that guy i'm gonna rob him uh because i'm broke and i want money like it doesn't it's so fucking weird that only humans get this weird treatment where we get to be characters at least in books that is true. Um, not to go back to Warcraft, but I like how in in WoW there are three different dwarf races, and they're they're basically clans, but they kind of each have their own thing going on. And there's one of them is kind of the bad guys, and so you do get like, oh, there's the bad guy dwarves, and they're a little different, and you can tell because like their their skin's darker and they have red hair, so that they they look like they're from that volcano over there. Yeah. And it's kind of fun that there's different ones. I like how there's like 12 different orc tribes. And um, I don't know how many different... I think there's like 14 different troll tribes. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of trolls. Yeah. Um, And I was thinking about it. And with the humans, I think there are seven human kingdoms. And pretty much only three of them are still around. And they all have the same accent and skin color. Sure. And it's very boring and like the the one i think the most interesting humans are the ones that turn into werewolves and the werewolf part is the interesting part right like them as people aren't interesting and then they introduce the the cultirans which are like they're the seafaring guys and they have all this neat culture about making ships and and doing things but by the you know the end of the day they just kind of they're not actually that different than the main humans who are also seafaring Sure. Like, it's not actually a unique thing. They just focused on it. So it's weird. I'm trying to think. I don't know. It's so easy to go back to elves, and I think it's just because they're so prominent in fantasy fiction. Um, But it's like, they're defined primarily by living a very long time, which makes sense. They do. That would change their outlook on a lot of things. And I feel like it it would have to change. There has to be more to it than that, though, for them to, to be like, yeah, we're elves. We move really slow. We think we're better than everybody because we can live a long time. We can acquire all this knowledge and take our time and enjoy life. Whereas the humans are basically rushing to the end because they only got, you know, 70 years where we has, we have 700. And I, I, I wonder, like, if, if writers just... or There's got to be a, some story out there that takes that to a different or more logical conclusion than just that. Like, why are elves always haughty? You know, like, the, there's got to be more you can do with them. Yeah, um, in WoW, there are four different elves. And what's, right. what's weird is that they all pretty much have the same personality, but they pretend that they don't. But if you, like, objectively tear down a character, they're not that different. Which is kind of a shame, because they have the room to be more creative than that. 
Yeah. I'm thinking, like, you know, we talked about dwarves and elves. My go-to is always the monster race. Like, realistically, yeah. I want a character that, like, has limbs and appendages that I do not. You know, like, I would... I would love an MMO where I can play as like a harpy or a mermaid just because it's like, that's not a human. Yeah. They got a different silhouette. Um, I mean, that's, that's like the, that's kind of the point, right? Is you're role playing something completely different. You're, I don't know why I would, I don't want to be me in a power fantasy. I want to be like a Torrent or, or something really weird just because why the fuck not? Like it's a video game. Let's, let's get crazy. Like we have all the options to get as crazy as we want. We're not Man. bound by rules. I, I really miss the AVP game because oh, I had I fucking so, missed that game too. Yeah. I had so much fun playing as an alien, just like running on the ceiling and stuff. And what was great was like it all came second nature where if someone was shooting at me, my first thought was to just move very fast. Mm-hmm. And I've seen other people where I'm watching them play the alien and they're treating it like a cover shooter where they're trying to keep an eye on the guy and they're trying to get around the corner. And it's like, dude, you don't have a range attack. Versus, you know, if someone shoots at me, I am, like, up the wall and on the ceiling, and then I jump down into a box, and they're not sure where I went. And yeah. I'm still, and as soon as they walk past me, I jump on their back. Yep. And for some reason, that doesn't come second nature to most people. And it's like, oh, I guess this is my thing. Um, oh, I, I heard that new Predator game isn't good. I didn't realize there was a new Predator game, but that it doesn't out, surprise me. It, it came out, I want to say, on Tuesday or last Friday. Huh. Um, it's an asymmetrical, like, one person's a predator, and then there's four shooty men. Oh. Yeah, it's one of those. But the quality looked good, so it was kind of promising. I don't like these asymmetrical games, because they all turn into, I want to be predator, oh, I got the humans again, and then they disconnect. Yeah. And you never get, like, a functioning round. Um, I heard they did a good job making it. The problem right now is... You, I guess the, the setup is when you're playing a game, it's like you're in a war zone, so there are NPC humans. So it's like okay. you're you're shooting at the other guys, and they're not a super big threat, but you do have to make sure you shoot them down. And then a predator is going to be loose in the map. So while that you're handling them, promising. you got to... Well, yeah, it should be. Um, What I'm hearing is you get really bad predator players that will just, like, they'll run out into the open, and you gun them down, and it's over. Oh, or they're too stealthy where they just they'll pick a really good hiding spot and wait the entire match for someone to walk by that tree. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I bet if if I had a tight circle and it, and we were five friends total, we could all agree to play the game correctly and it would be fun. Yeah. But with random people, this will not work out. So, man, the Predator is another like alien race that they've tried so hard to do stuff with. But it's like the more you think about them, the more it's just like, yeah, but they're like the rich ones hunting humans. Like they're they're on safari. And you're trying to create, like, build this culture out of like the one thing you know. Is that they have really good technology, they're scary looking, and then they have a fucking fun-ass time hunting humans. I think, and going back to aliens, I wish there were more like sci-fi MMOs because I would love the opportunity to like roleplay an alien species. Sure. Because I love getting into this new, like, a different mindset, you know? Yeah. Um. Oh, I, <laughs> I was I, I was telling you, I was playing Space Station 13, and I think I made somebody cry. Yeah. So I was working on the chem lab, right? 
and uh, this person walked in. They work in medical, so they had access. But they walk in and like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm making chemicals. And it's like, yeah, but why are there potato chip bags everywhere? It's like, because I'm hungry. It's like, can you clean that up? It's like, no, I'm working. And they got mad and left. And apparently they went and told the medical director that I was being sloppy in the chem lab. And it's like, okay, I don't... <laughs> What's the problem? And so, like, this person's like, I feel like they're looking for a fight or something. Sure. So it's like, whatever. And I'm I'm filling out prescriptions and um, medical supplies. And then they come back and they say, what is this? I'm like, what? And they found a pill, they or a pill bottle labeled Happy Pills. And I said, well, it mm. looks like a pill bottle. I'm like, yeah, but what is it? It looks like a pill bottle. Can you check what the pills are? Like, okay. So I took them, and I dissolved one in some water, and I'm analyzing it. And it was a sugar pill coated with space drugs. Okay. So I said, well, it looks like this is space drugs. I think that's why it's labeled happy pills. Um, And, and he was like, well, why, why is this here? Did you make these? I'm like, no. Did you make these? And he's like, no, I found them in the trash. It's like, okay. What do you want me to do about it? And he, and he got all upset and left. And like, okay, I don't, I don't know if this person's role playing or if they're actually upset at me at this point. Sure. They come back again, and they have a katana, and they say, "What is this?" And I'm like, "What are you? Were you just digging through the trash to ask me what things are?" It's like, "Why is this in the trash?" And I said, "I don't know. Why are you digging through the trash?" And they, <laughs> they got all upset and walked away. <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay, I think if I, I think it's my turn." So I made a sugar pill, but I printed it in yellow, and I labeled it Medal of Honor. And I, I went out into the, the into like the medical area, and he's standing there next to the, the director. Um, and I, I'm like, here, I made this for you. And I walked up, and I'm trying to give him the pill. And he keeps like stepping away from me. And I tried like five times, and I got frustrated and just threw the pill at him and then walked back into the chem lab. So then he, he walks into the chem lab... And he has the pill, and he holds it up to me, and he says, "What is this?" And he holds, and then, and the text says, "They're holding up Medal of Honor pill." And this is like, this is now public, where there are other people in there, and they're listening in on this. And I'm like, "Well, that's your Medal of Honor." Is it? Why did you throw this at me? I said, "Well, because you earned it, Detective uh, Snooty Pants." I don't know. <laughs> they dropped the pill and then they walked and they like walked over to the uh, escape pod and just like logged off. Oh wow. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out like I don't know what they wanted to happen. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know why either. they kept harassing me and asking me these dumb questions. Um everyone there thought that it was kind of funny, but honestly, I'm expecting the next time I log in that like an admin's going to have to tell me that a complaint was filed because this person seemed like not all the way there. Sure. And I don't know what they wanted. Yeah, that that's a hard one, right? Because you don't want to, like, get booted off the server, but also you kind of do because most of those people are just pants on head stupid. I, yeah, it, that's the thing. I would hate to not have access to the server anymore. Um, I would also find other things to do. Right. It won't eat me up, so um, I don't know. Well, we're at an hour. I don't know if you got any more items. I, I don't know if we solved whatever the topic is. I think we just kind of talked about a thing that happens in stories sometimes and why it's aggravating. 
Well, you know what? That's a good point. Why don't we try to solve this? Um, if uh, let's take, uh, we're making a WoW clone. We're making a, a medieval fantasy MMO. What? Where do where do humans land in your roster? I don't know because at the end of the day, I'm still never going to want to play them if there's monster species, right? Because I'm just not drawn to playing as a human at all. I think it ultimately depends how much it matters what a race is. Um, I kind of like how Guild Wars handled all the races because each one actually was of merit. Like, they actually did give humans their own history and personality. Um, The other races were also, like, so far removed from human that it didn't look like that's the tall human and that's the short human. Sure. You know? So that was a really good way to do it. But I actually kind of, like, I drew up plans for how I would make my own MMO once. And it just did not have humans at all. Okay. Um, It would have been all monster races. And I feel like what served the... This is this is going to sound weird. But what served the role as the most relatable race was actually these, like, spider people. That'd be fun. Yeah. And my idea was most of the world is just going to be like a normal MMO world. But I feel like each capital city should only be accessible by, like, that race. And so I figured, okay, the spiders should have, like, dark vision. And they, they live inside dark caves. Um... The other ones, it's like there'd be like a flying bird race, and they live on a cliffside that they have to fly to. Okay. And then there would be like an aquatic race, and they're underwater. Um, And I, there was something else. Oh, and then like pixies. And they'd basically have like, it. it it's kind of, it, I feel like this is a cop-out, but there'd basically be like a magic barrier that only they can cross. Sure. But I want like as much division between them as possible so that it's neat when you see them come together. Like when okay. you team up, I want it to be cool that it's like, oh, I'm glad we got the the Minotaur in our party because he got that one racial where he can charge. Like he's just the best tank, even though he's not even the tank class. He can help out. Like I, I like those feelings where that stuff matters. Yeah. Um. Of course, balancing that stuff is a nightmare, and like making an MMO is impossible anyway. So it's not like this is a thing that I want to do someday. But it was a thought exercise I was trying to work through. I think that's the the track I would go like is to divide it up purely on gameplay. So like, there's five different races, and each race can only play like it's like a specific playstyle. So if you want to play like a rogue, you have to be a human because only they can play a rogue playstyle, right? Like. I would do it something like that. So you have a very gameplay merit to choose this character. And then if you give them enough uh, customization options as far as uh, look and feel, you can kind of do, you know, make make it your own. Uh, in terms of, like, fiction stories and stuff, I feel like the way you do it almost is you keep humans the same and you make all of the other races more interesting by giving them just, like, a bit more, like, gray morality to them and, and make them feel more well-rounded, like, people that have more relatable flaws than oh just I live a really long time that makes me lazy sometimes that's the key isn't it yeah just, I mean they have to have a draw and I guess if if you put a human into a story with different kinds of creatures there should be a reason that you like humans besides them looking familiar to you yeah that's all I really want or just like Treating, like, I don't know, like, it goes back to, like, the way dwarves are in, in fiction, too, right? 
where it's like there's almost a joke aspect where like okay they're very stubborn uh they're kind of filthy they're eager to fight they they like to make things like armor so they're artistic like those four things i feel like there's a lot you could do with those uh a lot of it though like like being eager to fight being very brash like those are not positive qualities but there are a lot of the times so either treated like positive qualities or like the joke quality like oh the dwarf is being a dwarf and it's like no like the dwarf's being an asshole and that should have a negative effect on your party because he's going to get into a fight that could escalate like there's just using like the kind of logic that would oh the human wouldn't do this because the human would have consequences and be like okay well the dwarf should have consequences too then like tackling the characters from a, a more gray perspective like that i think would would solve a lot of my problems because then everyone would feel like characters and not just their races yeah but you know i feel like uh what's weird is humans have a lot of personalities and then you get these things where like the elves all act like blank yeah and that's actually that's just a problem that i have when i'm role-playing in warcraft is everything kind of has this trope to it where if I try to break away from that trope, people will tell me that I'm role-playing the character wrong. And it's like, no, this is my character. I'm writing it. Yeah. And they're like, no, pandas don't say that. And it's like, why not? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I've never I've never been in a situation where someone told me I was doing it wrong, and then they'd explain why. They just get unhappy that I'm not being a cliche, I guess. Trying to think of, like, because the pandas are interesting, right? I'm thinking of actual pandas where they eat, like, the one fucking thing, which is a uh, eucalyptus leaves, right? Or is that uh, the koalas? I mean, no, they, um, they, they like bamboo. Bamboo, it's bamboo. They do eat different things. Um, koalas only eat eucalyptus, but okay. that's because they're drunk. Yeah. But so, like, but, like, pandas don't have a very wide variety of foods that they eat. And the, it's so, you're a panda... And panda landed, and I feel like if you're basing it around actual pandas, they're probably not creatures with a lot of options, because they're fine with a handful of things, just going by, like, that one thing. So you go into a human village, and all of a sudden you're assaulted by sm uh, smells and colors, and you're like, look at all these fucking options I have, this is crazy. And you can build some kind of scenario around that, because you got a good fish-out-of-water story, but also, like, there's this cultural expectation of, like, oh, there's only going to be four things here. And it's like, oh, no, there's 400. What do I do? How do I act this way? And does it make me a better or worse panda? You know, like... So, yeah, I love how the pandas work in WoW. Um, they're all very boring and traditionalist, and they all, like, worship the abstract concept of balance. Okay. Which means that basically they play it safe all the time, because if something's working, then don't mess with it. And they have, like, they have chessboard games where you can win... But the goal is to actually share a win by tying with the opponent. Well, that's interesting. And it's stuff like that where it builds a culture around it. There's yeah. a small number of them that get adventurous. And they're like, well, why can't I win? Those ones all agree that, hey, you know, I want to see the world. I want to leave. And they get on a magic turtle. And they, they ride this turtle on the ocean. And it's like an island that floats around the world. And so they'll, like, see the world because they're so curious to see everything. Player sure. Player character pandas are from that turtle. So you're actually born there, and you've never even seen the homeland. Oh, interesting. And everyone on the homeland is probably boring to you. So what's neat is when the Horde and the Alliance crash land on your turtle, 
it's kind of like, whoa, those guys have blue, and those guys have red, and they're different. Ah! And then you pick which one you want to join. And okay. what's cool is that you, you go through the whole quest and you help them out. And then they say, well, I'm going to fly off. I'm going to go to Stormwind, where the humans live. Because I like humans now. And you arrive and you have this intro thing where you walk through the whole city. Like, you land at the front gates there. And you, like, do this RP walk where, like, NPC pandas are with you. And the townsfolk are talking about, like, what are those panda guys? And it's like, oh, that guy's short. What is that? Whoa, that guy's tall. What is, what's going on here? And you walk through the city and it's like, whoa, these... These walls are all stone. They didn't make it out of wood. And you walk by somebody and like the priest is like, well, th- th- what are those creatures? They're strong with the light. And then one of the pandas is like, what's the light? And it's this neat sense of discovery and like meeting new cultures, you know? Yeah. And it's this, it's this neat moment that I feel like doesn't happen enough in the game. But it gives you so much creativity to figure out like, wait. I want to do things with this character. Like, what would this character fall in love with? What would they get enraptured with? Um, on the Horde side, like, there are some pandas that are, like... It's it's funny, like, the, the ship crashes, and there's, like, a Forsaken that, like, fell out of the boat. And, like, oh, look at this one. His skin fell off. And he gets up, and he's like, no, no, I'm okay. And, the pa- and like, one panda's like, I don't know how I feel about that. And the other one's like, <laughs> I think it's cool. And there's just, there's a panda that hangs out with the Forsaken, and that's how Forsaken become monks. Is there's this one panda that thinks the skeleton guys are cool, nice, and he's training all the the undead that Sylvanas awakens. Like here's how you punch things, and there's like a whole like squad of undead monks, just because that would be cool. That is cool though. Yeah, and, man, rule of cool. <laughs> sometimes rule of cool is like all you fucking need, depending on like the tone, right? And, oh yeah. Uh, you know, I'm surprised we didn't talk about Steven Universe in this because they have a, an interesting alien race that has a very kind of unique cultures, maybe a bit strong. I don't, but it's they're fairly developed. I mean, they're they're gems, so their concept of like living and dying is a little different because they're based around rocks. Uh, they fuse their system is largely higher hierarchy based because of like this gem is better than this gem, and they just grow up thinking that and like you know the. The whole point of the three crystal gems on Earth is sort of like breaking through that and uh, Amethyst kind of discovering herself and what it means to be an Amethyst on the whole world versus what it means to be an Amethyst on Earth. Uh, So there's a lot of like cool stuff there. And it all comes back down though too is like these characters are really fleshed out. They have goals, they have flaws, they have hopes. uh, And that's sort of what makes it all tie in together and work. Yeah, you're right. That's a cool I, picture. Oh yeah, I I love the I love the idea of like the undead monk. Um, I <laughs> it's such a cool picture. Um, but yeah, the, I almost feel like we could talk about this more. Um, we should we should think of a different angle along this train of thought and maybe pick it up next week or two. Okay, because I think we tapped into some interesting like just the dichotomy of stuff. Yeah. You know what? Why don't we do a deep dive into elves? That might be fun. We, I kept, like... we touched on them a few times, but I think there's some depth there. To TV tropes. To TV tropes. Um, But we're at an hour 12. Is there anything you're glad about, Cameron? I am. I found a new paint program I want to I wanna get. Oh, yeah? Now, I can't actually like review it yet since I haven't you know done anything with it. What I actually want to say I'm glad about is they have this amazing tech demo on the site. 
so you can actually like demo the engine through their website. Oh, that's cool. So um, here you got the uh, I just sent it over. Um, you can paint, and it's like watercolors, but it has oh, this wow. water engine where it bleeds. Yeah, this has like a really cool texture to it. Now in the bottom left there, do you see a little H? You can actually change the hue. Uh, yes. Now change that and then draw through the the spot you just made and watch how it drips and blends. Oh, like, wow. That, that's pretty nifty. So everyone should look up escapemotions.com or escapemotions.com. And what I'm talking about is the Rebel 3, which is this paint program. It has different kinds of paint, but what makes it really special is the watercolor. Um, the acrylic blending is neat. The oil blending looks pretty realistic. But watercolor is a very specific thing that I've never seen handled well um, digitally. You can kind of simulate certain effects, but it's like you have to build around it. This actually does just bleed into the paper. You can set the gravity. You can set how wet the paper is. You can set how wet your brush is and customize things like actual drips or actual bleeding. Yeah, I just um, I just fucked with some of these settings and did like a swipe. And I'm literally watching the drops run down the page and blend together. Yeah, and now this thing is impressive just as it is. Um, the actual program has like more customization that goes into the brush. So you can get different effects that all feel kind of realistic for different ways. And it's just a very, it's a very neat little program. But this demo is fun to play with. So I recommend you look up Escape Motions on and just try it out yourself. You don't even have to understand art to have fun just watching it drip down yeah i could see having some pretty fun with this once you got used to it especially if you had like a tablet yes that is a cool program how about yourself so two weeks ago my glad i think it was two weeks ago my glad space was uh devin townsend because he's been doing really fun stuff on his youtube channel uh every week and, and somewhat every day as far as the virus is concerned he's doing podcasts about his albums, he's releasing new music, uh, demos, and he's collabing with people. Uh, the last couple of weeks, what he's been doing is uh, Twitch concerts. So you pay like however much you want, all the money goes to hospitals, and he does an hour-long show. He's got cameras set up, and he controls which camera's active with the Xbox 360 controller. It's just him, his guitar, and a microphone. The drums and everything else are, are pumped in through the sound system he's got going. And he's been releasing these concerts on YouTube... Uh, when he's done with them and they're he's such a fucking stunning musician like i watched one of them on on tuesday while i was at work just had it on and it was like the an amazing hour because he's playing all these songs i don't really know from him but he's really fun he's riffing he at one point he pulls out a puppet of an alien because he's got this character in one of his songs called ziltoid and he just starts doing like a dumb puppet show and uh He's showing his setup, like one of his cameras is a GoPro and it's on a, uh, a fan that goes back and forth so he can do panning shots of himself because it's just him. He's, he's got all of this rigged up in this weird MacGyver fashion and it's it's fucking delightful. So I, I really recommend you guys go check him out, uh, but also I might buy a tickets to his next show on Saturday and, and get in on the Twitch level and, and for a thing, the money goes to a good cause. It's all going to uh, hospitals. But just to be part of it and, and, and see it live, I think, would be really cool. I'm so fucking starved for live music. Did you see that concert on Fortnite? No. They did a live concert. 
and it, it was actually good. <laughs> oh, thank God. I was, I was afraid we were going to go different no, route. It was actually, um, I, I find it interesting that Fortnite as a platform exists. Like, there's the game, and you can critique the game, but they, they put in these weird events that don't recur, where it's like, man, yeah, did you see that thing that happened last weekend? And it's, like, worth talking about. Yeah. It's very interesting, just on that meta level. I never thought about it like that, but they are, I mean, all these dances that I guess kids are doing, it's like, oh, there's the Fortnite dance in this movie, and it's like, holy shit, this game is popular enough for, like, mainstream media. Are, are taking stuff from it and referencing it. And to me, it's just like a dumb game that I would never play, but it, it it's crazy how big it is. It really is. Um, It helps that it's free. And it yeah. helps that, honestly, it helps that it's fun. It might not be the best game out there, but for a free-to-play game, like, there's no ads. You know? Sure. Like, you could actually, as a child, you could play the full game and have fun without having it, you know, to tap into your allowance at all. That's something else. Man, that's a, its own kind of topic, right? It's like when I was younger and I didn't have a job and I wanted video games, like that was that was a decision because I had to save up money from like birthdays and, and stuff and or beg my parents. And it's like, you only got a couple games a year and you had to pick which ones you wanted. Oh, yeah. See, I was thinking about Final Fantasy VII. This remake came out and it's not even the full story. It's like part one of the story. And the promise is that part two will come. But it used to be you you got this enormous story that will take you months to finish. Yeah. And it was like an investment. And now it's kind of like, I'm glad they cut it into these palatable things because Doom Eternal comes out next week. And then I have to do my, my Animal Crossing live stream. And it's like the hobby's not the same anymore. Yeah. I think that's because we're older, though. I mean, I don't know what teenagers, how they're experiencing games right now. Well, I mean, it, so I used to... I used to work with kids, and I don't know how many times I'd see the same thing where uh, someone's waiting for the bus, so the kid's playing with mom's phone, and he'll go into the store, and he'll ask mom for the password, and she types in her password, and he downloads like a demo to a plane game, and there's like a fighter plane, and he flies around for a while, and he shoots stuff, and it's generic and boring, so he deletes it and goes into the store and asks for the password, downloads the other plane game. And he'll go through, like, five different video games while waiting for the bus. Sure. And it's just very strange how it, it used to be this whole big thing, like, getting a new game. Or, or even just a sequel. Like, finding out, wait, they made Sonic the Hedgehog 3? And now yeah. it's like, we know that Sonic the Hedgehog 3 will come out two years in advance. And also... We are already have our opinion formulated before it's released, so we're already angry as we're buying it. Yeah. So, hey, did you see The Last of Us leaked? Yeah, I guess there's like some disgruntled employees just like, I'm pissed off, I'm just going to throw all this information yeah, on the internet. More than one disgruntled employee. Oh, wow. Um, There's a lot of disgruntling going on over there, but w what I find funny is that people are upset about the spoilers. And I'm kind of like, this looks like what I thought it was going to be. I don't know what you guys, <laughs> like, I don't know. I I know that game's not for me. Like, the first one wasn't appealing, and this one looked worse. But the people defending the quality of it, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm laughing at the tears, I guess. Yeah. 
Did you see the gun customization? No. They talked about all the attention to detail and how you can customize your own gun and you get different parts and components and you can like you can swap them out to modify the performance of your gun. And in the video, there's like five things wrong with the gun. Like they put in a magazine that would not fit in that hole and then they put it in upside down and then they put the stock from a different gun and just like snap it on there as if they'd fit. And so people are like pointing out, like, we're well, just, you're talking about the quality, but there's some things wrong here. And it's like, yeah, those things don't matter. You're nitpicking. And it's like, well, how about just talk about how you can customize the gun and not frame it like all the quality and work you put into it? Also, it's not really what I want in The Last of Us. Well, it's also, this is the company that said, we don't use words like fun. And it's like, yeah, I, I buy video games for fun, so I'll just not, you know, yeah. this, this isn't for me. Um, one of the the gameplay highlights they put out last month is how you can climb objects and jump over small gaps. And it's like you like Crash Bandicoot, like you used to make Crash Bandicoot. Do you remember Crash Bandicoot? <laughs> um, so I don't know. <laughs> it's Uncharted Four looked so good. I can't believe this is the same company. I really can't. Oh well. Yeah. Do we uh? We're at an hour twenty-two. Should we call it quits? I think this is a pretty fun episode. I think so, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna think about elves. Yeah, because I feel like uh, sex one. Yeah, they're kind of they're pretty generic, but I have a feeling if I actually thought about it, I could think of a lot of interesting differences between the elves of different settings. I hope so. I'm not uh, sure. I have to actually do some a little bit of real research for this, which is gonna be weird. Also, I want to talk about Vulcans and space oh, yeah. elves. Space elves. So we'll have fun. We'll dig into that. Um, we won't do an episode about dwarves because there's no differences. They're all just Scottish for no reason. <laughs> and that's the conversation. Yay, we did it. We, we solved the problem. We got two done this week. Yep. That's pretty good. I feel good about this. All right. Well, good night, everybody. And remember, um, if you're if you're quarantined, then you're part of the quarantine. Yeah. That's mine. Go team. I made that up. You can write in at opinionsarecheap at gmail.com and say, I'm part of the quarantine. And that's it. I'll, I will read that part, but I will not read the rest of your email. Thank you. That's a good deal. Bye. Bye.